For I seek those who will worship me in spirit and truth, says the Lord. Those who search for me with their whole heart. For then and only then will I be found, says the Lord. Lip service will not cut it. A mind with no heart is not sufficient. But I seek such that worship me in spirit and in truth. For a day is coming, is nigh even at the door. When such an atmosphere that you grace in this moment will be taken away. Seek me with your whole heart in this moment while I may be found. For the Lord says I seek to enrich your lives with bountiful blessings if only you will receive it. If only you will receive it. As in times past, my presence has made itself available to each of you in this room. But you have rejected it. You have rejected it, says the Lord. Now is the time to embrace my presence. Let the world know Jesus is coming soon. Yes, Jesus is coming soon. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Spirit of God, for breathing upon your people in this moment. Give us a spirit conscience, Lord. Give us a spirit conscience, Father, to connect with what you want to do among your people in this hour. Open our hearts, clear our minds that we may be receptive of what you have ordained for us in this hour. Somebody give the Lord praise. Come on, somebody give the Lord praise. Somebody give the Lord praise. Come on, give the Lord praise. You were created to worship Him. Come on, you were created to worship Him. Glory to God. We worship Him. We add value to His worth. Amen. Visualize in your mind that we add value. We add weight to the worth of our God. We ought to be standing all over this building right now. We ought to be standing all over this building reverence in the very presence of God. For the Lord is speaking to His children. Speaking to his children. Glory to God. Speaking to his children. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We bless you. We magnify you. We exalt your name above the heavens. Touch our hearts to know your plan for us today. Come on, sing that chorus to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. To worship. I live, I live worship. Come on, Harvest Church, you know the song. Sing it in the Lord's presence today. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship Come on, come on. To worship you, I live. Lord, to worship I live, I live We honor your presence today, Jesus Hallelujah, to worship you I live To worship you I live, I live To worship you You ought to lift your voice in this place Sing, oh your voice and sing come on take this opportunity 
share with us today that we need to fall back in love with the Lord. Is that all right? We need to fall back in love with Jesus. As I begin to pray about this matter, there was a particular song that has recently been released, um, and it was talking about new wine. And I was on my way to work on Friday. Man, the power of God's presence just overshadowed me. I felt his glory come down in that vehicle as I surrendered my heart to him and said, Lord, God, I don't want what you want, but I want what you want for me. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? Has anybody ever said, Lord, I, I don't want to act selfishly, God, and, and desire the things that I want, but I've reached a place in my life that I want what you want for me. Because the great peace is that God knows what's best for us. Even when we can't see it, God knows what's best for us. So I asked God, you know, to, to make wine, it takes pressing. Can anybody hear me? I said to make wine, it takes a pressing. To make oil, it takes a pressing. How many today are willing to be pressed to become what God wants you to be. Come on, you need to tell the Lord today, I'm ready for the crushing. I'm ready, Father, for the pressing so that I can be what you, O oh Lord, want me to be. Who's ready to fall back in love with Jesus? Come on, anybody ready to fall back in love with the Lord? Two passages of Scripture that I, I want to attempt to connect in your presence today. Amen. Many of you are standing. Let me encourage the remainder of you that can and are able-bodied to stand as we reverence God's Word together. You put your thumb on Acts 2 and 20 and your index finger on Revelation 2, 4. Acts 2, 20 and Revelation 2 and 4. Hallelujah. I want to thank God for this busy group of people behind me and for uh, the worship team. We've, uh, we, we've been extremely busy of late, and uh, that continues as we journey into uh, next Saturday. Um, next Sunday, we'll be ministering in Albemarle, North Carolina. Brother Steve Jacobs will be ministering here 
on next Sunday morning. I solicit your prayers on his behalf. Brother Stephen Kahn has consented uh, to minister for us on uh, December 1 here. Uh, my wife and I will be uh, actually away uh, spending some time in vacation. And uh, I thank the Lord for these qualified, called men of God who make themselves available to preach his word unto the body of believers here at Harvest Church. I do desire your prayers on the behalf of Pastor Kenny Locklear from our Rayford Assembly Church. Brother Locklear is battling some health issues, and I desire your prayers on his behalf. I received a, a lengthy text message on yesterday, and I believe that uh, they're appealing unto us for any of our associates that could possibly uh, provide ministry in his church in his absence on a rotating basis. So I want you to be praying that God would touch Brother Hunt and touch Brother Jacobs and they would be able to help or assist in providing ministry in the Rayford Assembly Church. I'm in Pastor Locklear's absence. Do you have the scripture? Amen. You have the scripture today? Acts 2 and 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord comes. Revelation 2 and 4. Revelation 2 and 4. This is Christ's address to the seven churches. In specific, the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Thank you, Father, for your word, anointed and ordained. Hallelujah. I heard a question as I walked in the sanctuary on this morning. In reference to, have we always observed daylight saving time? Uh, let's, let's, let's make the first note. It's daylight saving, not savings. It's singular, not plural. Okay? Have we always observed daylight saving time? No, we haven't. In America, only since the 1960s when Lyndon B. Johnson signed legislature to that effect. But daylight saving time was first observed by the Canadians in Glacier Bay in the year 1908. Now last night about 2 a.m., we reached daylight saving time. So many of us were wise and we set our clocks before we went to bed. Unless we have one of those automatic jobs that did the homework for us. So and unless you live in Arizona, in specific the Navajo Nation of Arizona, unless you live in Hawaii, or unless you live in U.S. territories which do not observe the change in time, the rest of the country observed daylight saving time. What U.S. territories? Guam? Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, none of these observe daylight saving time. It's currently used by over 70 countries in the world, daylight saving time. Anybody want to know why they implemented daylight saving time? It's pretty amazing, really. It was initially believed to assist the farmers. But that's not the truth. To conserve energy. You say, I, I don't get it. Well, don't you burn less lights when it's day than you do at night? So that was the mindset. That we will implement daylight saving time so we will use less energy to burn lights in our homes. Now you have the history of daylight saving time. We fall forward. <laughs> Got you. 
we fall backwards and spring forward. Got it? Somebody said on my job, oh, we fall forward. I said, no, 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 no. No, we fall backwards. Oh, so we gain an extra hour. I said, well, you won't know anything about it. You'll be asleep, but per se. How many know you can't make up time? How many know that's a commodity <laughs> that, that, that you can't make up? I also want us to note that time can only be measured in an arena where change takes place. How many know that nothing will change in heaven? So time will be irrelevant. Amen? And I want to take an opportunity to expound more upon the Word of God today that I've, I've divided into those two specific passages of Scripture. Number one, Acts 2 and 20. Well, let's, let's understand what's going on here. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, this is after the day of Pentecost. And Brother Peter is preaching publicly for the first time. Am I right? And Peter quotes prophecy from the book of Joel. Am I right? Earlier when he says in the last days that God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Have we witnessed that? We've witnessed that. That's an indicator of a prophecy fulfilled. But then Peter launches out into the great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, what day is that? The day of the Lord's coming. And he tells us some pretty amazing things. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood, Joel 2 and 31, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, your line of questions would be something like this. Pastor, will this literally happen? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. We'll explain that then. Because that portion of prophecy is spoken in the language of appearance. Not to be taken technically. I don't want to lose anybody here. But I want us to understand the manner in which the word of God was written. Could this take place? Oh, absolutely. It could be a supernatural phenomena. Absolutely. But what about the natural things that occur in time as we know it right now? Anybody ever witnessed a solar eclipse? Okay, we've all witnessed solar eclipse. Amazing thing about a solar eclipse is it's a time when the moon itself gets between the earth and the sun. You follow me? And when that happens, the moon casts a shadow over the earth. That's known as a solar eclipse. Amen? But the sun is still there. It's just that the moon has blocked its view. Praise the Lord. I need to tell somebody Jesus is still here. Y'all ain't going to... Y'all ain't going to, but everything else in the world has attempted to block Jesus' view. Lord have mercy. This will preach right here. Amen. What I need somebody to understand is that the Lord's coming. I need us to understand that this is possible, what Peter has exclaimed, as a supernatural. In other words, something beyond the control of man. Something not natural, therefore deemed supernatural. God can do anything. Let me make that clear from the start. God can do anything. But all this points, saints of God, as a natural phenomena to the sign of our Lord's coming. Praise the Lord. You need to pinch your neighbor and tell him he is coming. He is coming. Amen. Then I want to also emphasize that it could be that of supernatural proportion as in the darkness in Matthew 27, 45. Anybody remember what happened? Matthew 27, 45. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. This was Jesus' crucifixion. When darkness cast a shadow over the entire earth. That was a supernatural phenomenon. That was not a solar eclipse. Well, you say, preacher, why did that happen? Well, it's, it's a time when nature itself testified to the gravity of Jesus Christ's death or the seriousness of Jesus Christ's death. What did it do? It caused Jesus' circle of friends and his enemies to fall silent in the encircling doom of darkness. Darkness. Boy, this will preach. 
Solar eclipses are visible around the globe about every 18 months. Somewhere in the world, a solar eclipse happens about every 18 months. But total eclipses only occur once in every several hundred years. Are the saints of God with me today? So this could explain, friends, how the sun could look dark and the moon look red at the same time. This could be the explanation of what Joel has predicted before the great and terrible day of the Lord's coming. You say, preacher, there's a lot of variables there. I mean, I mean you, you've thrown a lot of stuff at us, but there's just a lot of stuff I don't understand. Well, let me make something real clear. Can I? If there's so many variables in the information I've already provided, let me make something crystal clear. Joel's prophecy declaring that a darkened sun and a reddish moon are associated with God's judgment before the return of Christ are indeed a reality. It's going to happen. Praise the Lord. It's going to happen. And Peter's preaching this in his first sermon in the book of Acts chapter 2 and 20. Well, Jesus' second coming, saints of God, is the great hope of believers. It's the proof that God is still in control of all things and that he is faithful to his promise and to his prophecies. Praise the Lord. Because here's an interesting note. In Jesus' first appearing, he came as the suffering servant in humble circumstances. Anybody remember that? The Jews were looking for him to come in great power and in great authority. They wanted Jesus to subdue the Roman authorities and therefore grant them freedom. But that's not the manner in which Jesus came. Jesus came as a suffering servant in humble circumstances. But I got some glad news. Whether you shout off this or not, it's up to you. His second appearing, he's coming as a conquering king. Amen to God with the armies of heaven right by his side. If you're looking for a good place to say hallelujah, there it is. There it is. Let's look at Acts 1 and 11. Acts 1 and 11, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. Anybody hear me? This is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he appears to who? He appears to those he loves. Amen? And those women go to the tomb. They want to anoint his body. They meet angels there. The angel says he's not here. Amen to God. But then, just a few verses later, Acts 1 and 11. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The interesting piece in that verse is will come in like manner. Somebody said, but I don't, I, I don't understand that. What does in like manner mean? Does anybody remember when Jesus told those boys, you can't touch me for I've not yet ascended to the Father? What did that mean? He had yet to receive his glorified body. In like manner means when he comes again, he will be in the form of his glorified body. You missed a good place to shout. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He won't have those crown of thorns. He won't have those spikes in his hands and in his feet. Amen to God. But he's coming with the armies of heaven right by his side as the conquering king of all of earth. He's coming. He's coming and we need to take note of his coming. Hallelujah. Revelation 19 verses 11 through 16. Revelation 19 verses 11 through 16. Is anybody with me? What does the word of God tell us in Revelation 19, 11 through 16? I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written. That no man knew but God him. Holy Ghost help me. Glory to God. His eyes. Come on somebody. He then says he, he didn't know. No man knew but he himself. Verse 13. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. Woo. 
Revelation, uh, the three names of Jesus. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, Lord help me, and on his thigh there's a name written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You ought to help me preach this. Amen. Somebody said, Preacher, I don't understand what all that means. I want to tell you that the first one means this. The faithful and true, it means that he, amen, shares an intimate oneness in relationship with God. It tells us that he has always, somebody ought to help me, he's always existed. He just didn't come into existence in Luke, amen, when he was born of the Virgin Mary. But he has always existed eternally in the heavens with God. His name is faithful and true. Praise the Lord. His second name, the Word of God. Oh, glory. The Word of God. Somebody say, Pastor, where are you going with it? It refers back to his incarnation in John chapter 1 and verse 14. Amen, somebody. Let's read what it says. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Somebody shout the word of God. Faithful and true, the word of God. Oh, my Lord, somebody. You see, in the Old Testament... The word dwelling, the word tabernacle, the word glory, all reference uh, the, the fact that God had took up residence in the temple. But how many of you know that John 1 and 14, when the Bible said the word, amen, was made flesh and dwelt among us. How many of us remember then that God now dwells in us in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? He doesn't dwell in a tabernacle. He doesn't dwell in a tent. He's not living in a temple. Well, correction. He's living in this temple. Amen. Which is his earthly home. We are the temple of God. Didn't the writer exclaim that? We're the temple of God. His third name, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They designate his role as the sovereign ruler of the whole earth. Is anybody glad of that? Somebody said, Jesus is my superhero. I got a shirt that says, Jesus is my superhero. And somebody asked me, how was Jesus our superhero? I said, well, number one, he's just like the Lone Ranger. They said, how's that? I said, because he's coming back on a white horse. Huh? They said, great, day in the morning, he's the Lone Ranger. He's coming back on a white horse. That's the scripture. Revelation said he's coming back on a white horse. Who else is coming with him? The armies of heaven. And guess what? They're going to be on white horses too. And they're going to be clothed in what? Clean and white linen. Oh my. They're coming to make war on the armies of the earth. I heard Zacharias say he's going to step one foot on the Mount of Olives. Amen to God. And it's going to burst asunder. Are you listening to me? At the battle of Armageddon. And God's own son, Jesus Christ, is coming to wage war on the nations of the earth. And I got news for you. Jesus don't know how to lose. Hello? I said Jesus don't know how to lose. All Jesus knows how to do is win. Because every war he wages, he wins. Y'all missed it. You missed it. I said every war he wages, he wins. Preacher, how do we connect the dots on that? Well, we ought to connect the dots because it ought to help us, amen, that his return, amen, should encourage us to trust and to obey him even so much more as we see that day approaching. Anybody ready to fall in love with Jesus all over again? Anybody ready to fall in love with Jesus all over again? It's not impossible. But it takes more than just loving Jesus. Can I preach this to you? It takes more than just loving Jesus. It takes being in love 
with Jesus. Oh, my. It's going to get quiet in here for about the next 15, 20 minutes because I'm going to hit some nerves. I'm going to move into somebody's recliner in their living room here in just a few moments because the truth of the matter is love is an action. It is not just a word. Love is an action, not just a word. Look at John 21, 15. The gospel according to St. John 21 and 15. Let me rehash this story. Those boys are fishing. This after Jesus had appeared to them numerous times. Are you with me? They're fishing. But they ain't caught nothing. And to hear a voice says, uh, throw your net on the right side. Because there's plenty there. Follow me? When they let that net down on the right side, they brought in a draw to fish. The Bible goes on to say, and you can read this in your leisure. I believe Peter disrobed and jumped into water. He said, it's the Lord. Peter's the only one that acknowledged, that's the Lord. Right? He went out. Jesus said, come on. Let's go eat breakfast. Am I right? That's the, word, that's the word of God, saints. Jesus said, let's go eat breakfast. When they looked on the shore, they saw a fire, and they saw fish prepared and bread. Follow me? Won't God provide for you? And then they brought some of the fish they caught, and they had breakfast together. And then Jesus looked at Peter. Scripture says, so when they had dined, that means they ate. They ate together. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Let me paraphrase that. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Can I ask Harvest Church this morning? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? We know what Peter's answer was. But here's something we missed the whole time. What we missed the whole time is that Simon's name had been changed. And Jesus didn't call him Simon. Jesus called him Peter. Didn't he call him Peter? He called him Peter before he was crucified. But after he was resurrected, he called him Simon. By his old name. Somebody said, man, help me figure that one out. He called him by his old name because he was acting like his old self. Lord God, have mercy. Somebody, somebody fell off the wagon on the way up that hill. He called him Simon, son of Jonas, because he had began to behave like he did in his previous state before a salvation conversion. Yeah, that's right. He went back to fishing. He was not a fisher of men, but had resorted to his old ways. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Boy, somebody needs to let that marinate in your spirit for a moment. Because it's a lot of folk. God help me. It's a lot of folks saying, I love Jesus. But you've reverted back to your old ways. Oh, God Almighty, have mercy. I, you ain't got to worry. I feel the unction to function. I don't need no help. Hallelujah. I feel my help backing me up right now. And what God is telling us is we need to fall back in love with him again. We need to renew some commitments. We need, glory to God, hallelujah, to exchange some more vows. We need to get married to God all over again. That's right. Need to get married to God all over again. What Jesus was really saying is, Peter, if you love me, you'll serve me. Is that right? Is that a, is that a true and correct assessment 
of what Jesus is saying? It absolutely is. Because ministry is service. Ministry is not being served. Ministry is serving. Peter had stopped serving and reverted back to his old ways. Somebody said, Pastor, you're going to have to help us. Uh, I, I don't understand where you're going with this. Amen. You see, at first, our relationship with Jesus is just like a dating or a marriage relationship. Yeah. I did the math. I figured this out all by myself. A salvation experience is just like a dating or a marriage relationship. And you say, how can that be? Because at first you can't do without them. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, somebody. At first you can't do without them. You've got to be where they are in the close contact. You've got to have, Lord. Hold on, Jesus. Hold just a minute. You've got to have communication with them or your day just don't go right. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I dated before. See, I dated. That's how I got married. Four years. I dated and then got married. And a relationship with the Lord is much the same. True. Because at first, our lives just can't function apart from the one we love. I'm going to testify in the words of Jerry Fuquay this morning if it hair lips the devil. He said, I miss my wife. She's away on business. I'm going to testify to the glory of God on his behalf. He said, I love that woman. He better not be ashamed in here now that I want you to record this where she'll see it. He said, I miss that woman. I love my wife. Praise the Lord. That's how God designed it to be. Oh, Lord, we need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. But see, when we, 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 we're in this dating relationship, we're actually just tiptoeing through the tulips. We're really on a high because those endorphins are flowing like mad in us. And something happens when we hear their voice on the other end of a telephone or we see their picture. Some of us even got those little pictures in our cars right by where the check engine light is. And that's why you never see it come on. I, I've crawled into my children's vehicles and said, Lord, have mercy. If something's going wrong in electrical or, or in the heating and cooling, so that, so that they'll never know it. They're so in love. They're so in love. They'll never notice it. Then they'll get stranded beside the road with the radiator exploding and have to call the one they love to come to their rescue. Am I preaching to anybody? I told Sister Roxanne Dino on one occasion, do you ever look at any other meter besides the gas needle? Crawled in a vehicle headed to a service, and that thing just shot all the way over to blistering hot. I said, oh, my Lord, that's freakish. She said, I meant to tell you about that. <laughs> I, I, I went on to say, uh, um, when did you mean to tell me? Uh... After it happened a couple of times. Do you realize the nature of ignoring that sign? It could cost us an engine. Y'all getting where I'm going, don't you? Y'all already ahead of me. You're getting where I'm going. Do you realize what can happen if you ignore God courting you back into relationship with him? Are you realizing you could suffer the penalty of everlasting separation from God? Rejection brings about death. And death brings about separation from God. I got to move on. 
See, when we first start dating, we're on this high, just floating around on cloud nine. But as time goes by, we have to make a conscious effort to put in the work that develops our relationship. Boys, you just bounce around here and never tell your wife you love her. You bounce around here with the mindset that she already knows. I don't have to tell her. I pray to God that that's not your relationship with Jesus Christ. I promise you today that if you don't tell them, somebody else will. And as a matter of fact, the devil himself will set up a trap to ensnare them. Let me tell you one of the first things that a woman battles with age. You ready? You ready? Confidence. She battles confidence with age. Has a few children. She don't look like that Coca-Cola bottle you married. You follow me? Some of you boys need to hush. We done got Dunlop tires wrapped around our midsection. So we ain't as good looking as we thought we were either. Hello, somebody. When you get to hollering appearances don't matter. That's a lie from hell. That's a lie. You didn't marry no ugly woman. You don't want to spend the rest of your life with one. I'm going to preach this anyway. I'm going to preach this anyway. You didn't marry a deadbeat. You don't want to support one the rest of your life. Lord, have mercy. That's good preaching whether you say amen or oh me. It takes a conscious effort to put in the work to develop the relationship. How many want to fall back in love with Jesus? I was in a Sunday school class with a gentleman. He said him and his wife had seven or eight children. He said, we can ride hundreds of miles and never say a word. I said, you don't have a relationship. He said, boy, you ain't been married no time. You don't know what you're talking about. We talked out. That's what he said. We talked out. We don't have nothing to say to each other. I said, man, you don't ever tell your wife that you love her? She knows that. I don't have to tell her. She knows that. I said, well, I hope you don't talk to God the way you do her. Because if you talk to God the way that you do your wife, then you're in for a big surprise. You don't have a relationship with him either. And I was just young in the marriage thing. I was just young. But I believe my point was made and well taken. I certainly do. So I want us today to just look at some areas in our life and, and start identifying those areas in life where we've left God out. If we're going to fall back in love with him, we need to know where we left him out. Amen. It becomes real easy. How about we stop coming to church? We stopped coming to church. We started hanging out with unbelievers. Maybe even a tragedy in our life took place and we wanted to place all the blame on God. Don't it happen? Friend of mine, it happens more often than you know. People ask me all the time, Pastor, is it wrong to question God? I said, no, it's not wrong to question God. Many others have in the Bible. It's not wrong to question God. But I do understand one thing. He knows what's better for us than we do. He knows what's better for us than we do. Amen. You see, when tragedy happens in our life and we want to blame God, or we feel like God just wasn't there for us, that's just one of a million reasons that can surface as to why we've stopped focusing on our relationship with God. But how can we revive it? How can we give it new life or vigor, our relationship with God? Preacher, can you please tell me how? Oh, I can do that both relationally and spiritually. I can do it both. Because if you've fallen into either one of those categories that I've aforementioned, let's face the fact we need some help.
We need some help. You know, the only time you can be helped when you acknowledge you need it. If you're not willing to acknowledge you need help, you will not take the correct action to right the wrongs. And that's just the reality of the matter. That's just the truth. Maybe God will help me preaching all of y'all a shout the next time, but I know you're listening today. You're listening today. And it's because we need to grasp this. We need to grasp what I'm saying. We can only strengthen our relationships when we get to the root of the problem. Acknowledgement. When we get to the root of the problem. Boy, guys hate to admit they are wrong. Guys hate to admit they're wrong. They hate to pull over and ask for direction. They'll burn a tank of gas. All because you refuse to ask for directions. Guys are just billy goat headed. Let's just say it like it is. But we will never correct our situation until we get to the root of the problem. Pastor, can you help me? Yeah, I can help you. Well, what's the beginning point? What's the start? Where can I begin to strengthen my relationship with God? You sitting on the edge of your seat, you ready? You ready for this? Everybody say ready. ready. You sure you're ready? ready? Remember why you fell in love to start with. Let's see if that one's on the board. Remember why you fell in love to begin with. Why did you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ? I fell in love with Jesus because the Bible said he first loved me. That's not the main reason I fell in love with Jesus. The main reason I fell in love with Jesus is because I was undeserving. I didn't deserve to be loved. But he loved me anyway. Y'all missing what I'm trying to tell you. Remember why you fell in love to begin with. Romans 5 and 8 said that God commended, or another translation, He demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If that ain't a good reason to fall in love, you won't find a better one. He died for me when I didn't like myself. He loved me anyway, even while I was a sinner. Ain't that a great reason to fall in love with Jesus? Hallelujah to God. He sent his son to die for us, not because we were good enough, not because we were deserving enough, but because he loved us so much. Because he loved us so much. I got some alarming news for Harvest Church today. God is not a hobby. God is not a hobby. Somebody needs to get that. God is not a hobby. Preacher, I don't even know what a hobby is. It's an activity that's done in your leisure time for the sake of pleasure. That's what a hobby is. You remember when I said at the onset of this heading, that it's not about loving Jesus. It's about being in love with Jesus. You know there's a difference. And God is not some activity that you do in your leisure time for pleasure. He is not a hobby to pick up and to lay down. He should be the object of our affection. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? You know what our Sunday school lesson said today? Our Sunday school lesson said today that you will know whom a person serves by their behavior. Isn't that what it said? You'll know who their master is by their behavior. 
Let me tell you one thing you won't have to do. You won't have to go to Sammy Shackelford's sign and get you a billboard to wear on the front and the back that says, I am a Christian. If you belong to Jesus Christ, the whole wide world will know you belong to him. Amen or oh me. It's just the God's loving truth. Amen. I'll tell you what I have done. I won't call them Christians, but I've run into some church folk with some bad attitudes. Yeah. I've run into some church folk that was pure hostile, that were hateful. Didn't have an ounce of God's love in them. Them ain't Christians. I'm going to say that again. Those people are not Christians. Because they don't have the love of Jesus in them. No, 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 you can get mad with me all you want to. You can run your lip out that far, but it's the truth. It's the loving God's truth. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. When Jesus enters into a person's heart in life, you are a changed individual. I don't care who you were before you got saved, but once you are saved, you will not be the same as you were. It's impossible. It's impossible. For Jesus to live inside an individual and an individual not change. It's impossible because we take on the nature of Christ Jesus. That's Bible up one side and down the other whether you want to accept that or not. That's Bible. So a person who says that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life and nothing's changed, they are a liar. And they are not saved. Not saved. Paul told the church at Galatians in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Isn't that what he said? He said, it's not I, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God. You're not who you used to be. You say, preacher, wait a minute now. It took me a long time to be who I was. I can't help that. I can't help what you did in the old man. I can just tell you that when you come to Jesus, there's a change that takes place. This baby's granddaddy and grandma used to sing it, the walk I used to walk. <laughs> I don't walk it no more since the Lord laid his hand on me. You remember, Sister Beatty, Brother Felix, the talk I used to talk. Thank God I don't talk no more since the Lord. The places I used to go, I don't go no more since the Lord. Laid his hand on me. Listen, I can't help if you accept that or not. It's the loving God's truth. And the sooner you embrace it, the better off you'll be. Because there's a change take place when Jesus takes up residence. When Jesus takes up residence, he kicked the devil out. You want to know why? They can't share the same house. It's impossible. They cannot exist in the same space and time together. It's impossible. So I'm telling you, if a person looks at you and he sees more of the old you than he sees of the new you, something didn't happen that you think did. You missed it somewhere in the transaction. But then again, we live in a generation where people believe that if they confess their sins and acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior, they can resort back to their old self and never be lost. I want you to know that lie originated in the pit of hell from the father of all lies who don't know how to tell the truth. And that's Satan himself. Amen. I'm not begging you to accept that. But I'll state today emphatically that is God's word. Paul said, if I rebuild again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Amen. You say, preacher, that's tight. It might be, but it's right. It might be tight, but it's right. I got some good news for you. It's never too late to come back to Jesus. Woo! It's never too late to come back to Jesus. Look, look, look at what Proverbs 27 and 19 says. As in water a face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. What does that mean? What does it mean? It means seeing our reflection only shows little about us. But a glimpse into the heart discerns what we love and what we value 
Oh my God, somebody ain't listening to what I'm saying. A look into the heart reveals our true character. You say, preacher, where are you going? Where are you going? How we live, regardless of what we say, is the real indicator of the true state of our heart. You might as well put this in your purse and tote it home. You ready? Are you ready? Everybody that wants to go to heaven isn't going to make it. I said everybody who wants to go are not going to make it. Say, preacher, I don't understand how you, I mean, what, 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 what do you say? Oh, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late as long as we have time. But time is something that can be stripped away from us. Didn't James say that life is but a vapor? For it appeareth for a moment and then it's gone. You know there'll be many people, Brother Khan, standing in the judgment. And they'll be saying to God, Lord, I was getting to the place. There will be many people standing in judgment saying, God, I was shaping my life to the point that I was just about to ask you to come into my life. But let me tell you what the Bible said. The Bible said, except the spirit of my father. Hallelujah. Woo! To the Lamb of God. Except the spirit of my father draw a man. He cannot be saved. I want to tell somebody here at Harvest this morning. You are running out of time. You're running out of time. Brother Anthony shared the incident where a longtime friend was killed tragically in a motorcycle accident on Monday of this week. And shared that even in a group message where he had an opportunity to witness to several friends. Their first statements were, I wonder if he made it. I wonder if he made it. Brother Anthony quoted that scripture to that group. Except the spirit of my father draw a man, he cannot be saved. Now, folks, there are certain places that are not going to be honest with you. Even in this county right now, there are certain churches that won't even preach that doctrine. But I'm here to tell you it's the truth. It's the truth. Oh, preacher, it ain't never too late to come back to Jesus. Let me tell you something. While we have time. While we have time. I'm talking to Harvest Church today. How do I come back to Jesus? Spend time with him. Read his word. Pray. Meditate. Come to church. Those are just a few ways that we can revitalize or give new life to our walk with God. Now, this is my faith. The musicians are coming. This is my faith in this room today. I believe that everybody here wants to go to heaven. Would that be a correct assessment? That everybody in this room desires to go to heaven. But let's look at Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. The scariest words. And all of existence are present in verse 23. Now you stick with me. We're going to get there. But I just gave you a precursor. I gave you a little trailer of what the end's going to be. This is Jesus speaking, Brother Jerry. This should, this should be written in red letters in your Bible. And here's what Jesus says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, 
shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. For many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Jesus said, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's the scariest words in all of existence. You say, preacher, what are you, what are you trying to tell us today at Harvest Church? I'm begging you. Don't appear religious. Don't sound religious. Have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying to you. It's not what we say that counts with God. It's how much we obey Him. That's what registers with the Lord. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus said, I never knew you. Folk, what's so gripping is that many people today invest their lives in appearing religious in sounding religious but have not invested in an intimate personal relationship with Jesus can you stand with me all over this building I want to tell you today if you turn your back on Jesus there's still room at the cross for you there's still room at the cross don't get too focused on how busy your life is that eventually following Jesus becomes more of a chore to you than an actual desire you understand that? Don't come to church just to come to church. Come to church with a heart to serve the Lord. Come to church with a joy and an enthusiasm to assemble with the body of believers congregating together in the house of worship. You see, time is of the essence today. If you've backslid on God, You've grown cold and indifferent. I want to tell you, you can fall in love with him all over again. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You can fall in love with him all over again. If you make it the desire of your own heart. I've witnessed people in a setting just like this, and here's what they'd say. They'd say to me, Brother Terry, I want to get saved. I want to give my heart to the Lord. But things have got to align just right for me to do that. I'd say, what do you mean things have got to align just right for you? I want to get rid of something. You can't get rid of stuff like that on your own. It takes God. It takes God. Come as you are. Bring all your cares to the Lord. Amen. Peter said, for the Lord cares for you. Cast them at the feet of Jesus. 
for he cares for you. If you could come to him on your own, you wouldn't need him. If you could cope with this thing called life by yourself, you wouldn't need the Lord. But the truth is you can't make it without Jesus. You can't make it without him. How many today have felt the tug of God at your own heart and would love to come to the altar? I'd love to pray for you. I'm not, I'm not coercing you into salvation. That's a decision between you and God. But I want you to know you can fall in love with him all over again. You can fall in love with him all over again. He's coming. And we need to be prepared to meet him. Who would come? Who would come today? Listen, I promise you that no one will think less of you if you come today and say, Pastor, I need prayer. I'm not walking where I used to in the Lord. I'm not coming ashamed. I'm not coming embarrassed. But I'm coming in faith, believing on the Word of God that He's near them of a broken heart and those of a contrite spirit the Lord our God he would not despise or even turn away who else would come who would come in need of prayer today these ministers are joining me in the, in the altar Lord joining me in the altar we want to pray for these beloved saints we want to believe God listen friend listen person will never receive the treatment that they need until they acknowledge where they are. It's just a reality. It's just a reality. Even a physician can't help you with a medical problem until you tell them what you're experiencing. Isn't that right? He'll come. Who else will come? Today under my voice. Who will come? God bless you, honey.